So anyway, I actually want to talk about um, that God's help is always at hand. God's help is always at hand. He's always there. But you and I as Christians can be and we can make decisions. We can be susceptible to, to getting the wrong help, seeking the wrong help, getting the wrong advice. Better still, going to the wrong people for advice. Yeah? Just throwing it out there. You know, if we're believers in Christians and we've got an opinion, it's true that we can get help and advice from many people all over the world, but sometimes it helps when our hearts align and they understand what we have faith-wise, yeah? But anyway, so that's where I want to go today, particularly because I was driving from home and there was this house. It is, it's on. Not coming through? working on it we're on hello hello ray can you hear me ray let me know if you want me to change mics ray have we got sound coming through yeah cool all right all right for those that are home if you missed it all you missed the whole move of god i'm so sorry <laughs> anyway ah, but now that you can hear me again lucky holy spirit is still here because as a good friend of mine has said recently, Holy Spirit is not like Elvis. He does not leave the building. So amen for that. But anyway, so I was driving from home and I just live in Mount Clear. And I, what's the name of that street? That, like in between my place? I don't know. It's not Tinworth, the other one that runs parallel. Sorry? What it? Mansfield. Thanks. I'll go with that. Yeah. Anyway, there was this awesome house in Mansfield Street that was so brilliantly, there's some sarcasm there, but legitimately it was brilliant for Halloween, decked out. Like they had big ghosts flying. Like it, it was, you know, you know at Christmas time, you, you specifically go to the best homes for lights. This would be in the top five of Ballarat, I reckon. It was brilliant. Like it was done brilliantly. I'm not suggesting that Halloween's brilliant, yeah? But because of that, it's just got me thinking that this is probably a really important message because I want to talk about Saul and I'm about to read from a passage of scripture that summarizes Paul's life and in light of the fact that we've just come out of that day, Halloween, this might actually be important for us all as believers, amen? Now let's face it, Saul 1 was a toxic man, really toxic. He, he was jealous, he had a critical spirit, he he was rejected by God because he was disobedient. And this is where I want to jump in. So 1 Samuel 28, verses 3 to 25. It's a long reading. I'll break it up in between. If you've got your Bibles, follow. I know a lot of us have it on our phones. Some of us carry it in paper. I'm just going to make a really general comment. You know what? It's really important for, you, for us all to have our Bibles with us in some form or fashion, you know, it always helps when you barrack for a football team if you go in your colours, yeah, so they know. You know, it helps, them, helps the players feel better that people are there supporting them. But when it comes to the Word of God, it just helps us, yeah? But anyway, verse 3 reads, Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in his own town of Ramah. Saul had expelled the mediums and spiritists from the land. The Philistines assembled and came and set up camp at Shunem 
while Saul gathered all Israel and set up camp in Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or Urim or prophets. Now, in our walk with God, if we're actually praying and we get to a point in our life where we feel like we're not hearing the voice of God, thank you for communion. It's probably a really good time to repent and say, hey, I'm really sorry, Lord. I'm not sure what it is. Maybe you can show me because at the moment I can't hear you. Yeah? Just a point. So if you know you're going to be defeated and you're not hearing from God, just like months ago we talked about Eli. Eli was in a similar situation, like he was defeated. He, he, we have to repent. So what did he do? Are you having troubles hearing? Yeah? Anybody else? I know I'm projecting. I'm just making sure. Is it? All right, cool. That's all right. I'm happy to ask. We're big enough now that we can still ask and not worry. It's all good. So what did he do? What did Saul do? Well, Eli didn't run away from God. He didn't go to the wrong help. (laughs) And it's so easy to go to the wrong help. And Eli actually found the true help in the Lord. But what does Saul do? Verse 7 is, is really, what a scripture. Saul then said to his attendants, find me a woman who is a medium so I may go and inquire of her. Now, in verse 3, back in verse 3, Samuel was dead, Israel mourned and had buried him, and Saul had expelled all the mediums, all those spiritists, all of those people. He expelled them all. But now he's actually asking someone to find Help me find someone like that. So he's, he's going underground. And the person responds, this one is in Endor, they said. Verse 8, so Saul disguised himself, putting on other clothes, and at night he and two men went to the woman. Consult a spirit for me, he said, and bring up for me the one I name. But the woman said to him, surely you know what Saul has done. He has cut off the mediums and the spiritists from the land. Why have you set a trap for my life to bring about my death? Saul swore to her by the Lord, as surely as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this. Then the woman asked, whom shall I bring up for you? Bring up Samuel, he said. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out at the top of her voice and said to Saul, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, don't be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said, I see a ghostly figure coming up out of the earth. What does he look like? He asked. An old man wearing a robe is coming up, she said. Then Saul knew it was Samuel, and he bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. Now, what we're about to see, we're about to see that the words of Samuel, none of them have fallen to the ground, and none of them will fall to the ground, because this is actually really strange stuff. Even in this, this person calling out what looks like a Samuel figure, right? Even in this, what we're going to see is that in all of this strange stuff, the word that Samuel had given Saul does not change. It never changes. It can't change. And what Saul's trying to do, he's trying to get a different word. That's what he's doing. He's going to a medium. He's saying, this is the word I got from God. I don't like it. I'm going to try to get something that, that benefits me more, that's more in line with what I want. I hope you can follow me at the moment with the story. 
He didn't want to accept the word that was already delivered to him. And I think it's a, a worry at the moment that so many people in our world are not happy. One, with the way things were. No, this is how it was, but it's not like this now. Even Christians, I know this is the word of God, but I want to get a new word. Yet this is just the season that we're in at the moment, flat out, where people don't like the word that they have received and so they want to get a new word. Yeah? Verse 15, Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? I am in great distress, Saul said. The Philistines are fighting against me and God has departed from me. He no longer answers me, either by prophets or by dreams. So I've called on you to tell me what to do. Samuel said, why do you consult me? He is peeved, right? Why do you consult me now that the Lord has departed from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done what he predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to one of your neighbors, to David. Because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites, the Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will deliver both Israel and you into the hands of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. <laughs> In other words, dead. The Lord will also give the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Immediately Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's words. His strength was gone, for he had eaten nothing all that day and all that night. When the woman came to Saul and saw that he was greatly shaken, she said, look, your servant has obeyed you. I took my life in my hands. I did what you told me to do. Now, please listen to your servant and let me give you some food so you may eat and have the strength to go on your way. He refused and said, I will not eat. But his men joined the woman in urging him and he listened to them. He got up from the ground and sat on the couch. This, what's happening now, his men, the, the, the woman that's there, this is almost like the babying. They're now babying this disobedient king. He's looking for a different word. He gets the same word. He, he, he falls on the ground, probably in, in a fetal position. He's sucking his thumb going, help me, help me, help me. And these people are like, oh, it's okay, king. Don't worry, just come and sit. They're babying this disobedient king. Because you and I, when we get disobedient, we begin to act like a child. Yeah? The woman had a fattened calf, verse 24 says, at her house, which she butchered. That's not bad. I wouldn't know how to do that. Which she butchered at once. She took some flour, kneaded it, baked bread without yeast. Then she set it before Saul and his men and they ate. The same night they got up and left. What a reading. Father, have your way today. Make sense of all of this, I pray. Lord, that we would be more Christ-like at the end of this day, we pray. So have your way, speak to us, speak to those that are at home, minister to our hearts, strengthen us in Jesus' name. It, it's amazing how all over the world, and we've just, it's just been celebrated, and people might say it's all about the lollies, but all over the world, people believe in ghosts. Flat out. People all over the world believe in ghosts, especially in places and countries that have got like ancient homes, old rustic castles. That sort of stuff. People believe in all of that through the UK, through Europe. Interestingly, though, apparently, there's an extremely high number of people in the US and in Australia that believe in ghosts. Look, I'm talking high numbers. Right? I'll give them to you in a minute. They believe in ghosts. And even though we don't really have, and neither does the US really, we don't have these old castles. These old ancient homes, you know, we've got one or two that are a hundred or so years old, but none of this ancient stuff, you know. 
This is a really powerful spiritual message. So God, I do pray for your covering, that your blood would cover us and make us wise today. Here's some stats. Pure Research, they called, did some stats for America, and they reckon two out of five Americans believe in ghosts. Two out of five. The ABC reported here in Australia that 49% of Australians believe in ghosts. 49%. It's huge, isn't it? Right? Scary. Pure Research goes on that 18% of Americans believe they've seen a ghost. I couldn't find that stat for Australia. Obviously, if there's 49% that believe in ghosts, that'd be higher than 18%. No doubt. 9% believe they've communicated with the dead. So again, I'm suggesting that would be even higher for Australia. So let me say this. Behind all the philosophies that are around in our world today, and there are so many rising philosophies everywhere that seem to capture people's imagination, yeah, particularly today, behind it all is a spiritual power. And that, that spiritual power, it's all about control. It's all about controlling the people that grab hold of it. So even if you're not into witchcraft, witchcraft is all about control. So if you can recognize that the devil, he deals with the spirit of control. He deals with things like witchcraft and sorcery. It's all about control. He's trying to bring about swaying the way that we think by controlling us by, what, by what's being presented. But you and I, we need to make sure that we understand that God is the only one in control. Like, he's the only one. Is that fair? He's the only one in control. Now, King Saul, he's abolished the witches. He's actually gotten rid of them. He's gotten rid of the mediums from the nations. That was the right thing to do. He knew it was the right thing to do, but now he's doing the wrong thing, and he knew it was wrong. He, he finds himself in, in a desperate place, so desperate through his own disobedience. I mean, he was cut off from the voice of God, cut off from the voice of Samuel, the prophet. I mean, Samuel rejected Saul, and then Samuel dies. So he's not getting any, any help here. And then when he gets into trouble, verse 6 says, he inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or Urim or prophets. So Saul can't hear the word of the Lord. Sorry, Sam, can I get some water from you? Can you get some? Just a cup? It's fine. I forgot to get a bottle. He can't hear the word of the Lord, and he doesn't repent. He doesn't turn back to the Lord. He doesn't do that. So he's actually, it's almost like he's past the point of no return. And what a sad place to be that when we've rejected God's voice so much in our lives that we put ourselves in a position where we say, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to repent. I'm not going to say, sorry. God's not going to get closer to me. No, that's what he's doing because he's done that. He's pushed God out because he's not hearing God because of his own disobedience. That's a dangerous place. And that's where Saul is and was. And that's how pathetic his behavior increasingly became through this story. Worse and worse. Over and over, Saul goes back to something that he himself, when he was in a better place, had already rejected. Because verse 7 reads, Saul then said to his attendants, find me a woman who is a medium so I may go and inquire of her. He asks how he can find a medium. I just want to say, and I know it's not, I've not heard anything, it's not anyone here for those that are at home, 
don't seek that stuff. Don't do it. Don't. I, I, I love um, Rob Schneider. In all of Adam Sandler movies, he pops up, different characters, and he says these words, you can do it. It looks really good. So let's take his accent and say, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't go there. Don't get that stuff. That's right. No deal. Don't, don't chase after that stuff. Truth is, many of us have actually done something similar. Think about this. How many of us have gone back to something that we've already repented of? Seriously, think about that. Saul said, no, it's the wrong thing. Let's send them out. And then he goes back. How many of us have actually gone back to stuff in our lives over the years that we've already repented of? Thank you, Sam. You know, we get saved. We repent of this and of that. But in time, it's so easy to just get back into that stuff. You know, maybe it's the bottle. Maybe it's a needle. Maybe it's spending. Maybe it's a binging habit. It's that very thing that Jesus set us free from that can now somehow take hold of us again. It's the wrong relationship. It's, it's the wrong group of friends. Let them go once and for all, yeah? That philosophy, that opinion, that bitterness, that wound that we can't let go of. Maybe it's unforgiveness. And Saul had all of those things. All of them. And so he seeks, nonetheless, supernatural guidance and help. I mean, I often say, how stupid can you be and still breathe? He was the king. He's the one that rejected it. He put a law in place. Now, the easiest thing to do would be to turn to God and repent, even though that can be hard when we're broken. It can be hard when we know we're not doing the right thing. It's still the easiest thing to do, but instead of turning to God, he goes and sees a witch. He puts on a disguise. Maybe he thought that the Lord of all creation wouldn't recognize him because he had a Halloween mask on, you know. He looked like Michael Myers, who knows. He goes to see the witch. But let me explain this stuff about ghosts, especially seeing everything that we saw on, on Halloween, you know. Particularly as Christians, it's important to understand. I love the idea where Christians redeem Halloween. I visited churches in the States that would, sit, when I say celebrate Halloween, would take that day and then would set up all sorts of Christian stuff on their property and invite kids onto their property to come and get the lollies. But none of the Halloween stuff, but they were redeeming the day in Jesus' name, yeah? I'm okay with that. I think that's awesome. You know what? The world's going to celebrate it. We'll have our own celebration on that day. Actually, we've got a friend here in Ballarat that on Halloween puts up his Christmas tree every year. Every year on Halloween, puts up his Christmas tree. I think that's awesome. Because it's only Jesus, Jesus, Jesus that saves, yeah? Only him. Only him. We just have to lay this foundation, right? Because this truth is unchanged. Hebrews 9.27. And this is a foundational verse to help us understand this really weird and strange story. Verse 27 reads, Just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. Now there's... On that scripture, there's more to come. There's more on the sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross. But I just want to lay a foundation for today. People are destined to die once. Yeah? This is what we believe as Christians and then to face judgment. This is really important 
for the 49% of Australians that believe in ghosts to understand. And this will help empower us, I hope, in any conversations that we might have with our friends and family. That, you know, when this sort of stuff might come up or, or family and friends might be into this kind of stuff. To understand that we die once and then we face God. So let me try to say it clearly. No soul will disappear. Souls don't disappear, right? Souls don't disappear. Someone dies, the way someone dies, however bizarre it might be, I know movies will tell us different, but it doesn't mean because you died in a strange way that your soul is going to linger around. Well, that's not going to happen. Yeah? That's not going to happen. The way someone's buried, or for that matter, not buried, yeah, is not going to determine and it's not going to keep your soul from meeting God. It's not. No one will disappear. We need to understand that. And that's good to know that our soul won't disappear. See, we get to face our Lord ourselves. Nobody gets forgotten by the Lord. Yet we know that he's a good God. Yeah? Because at the end of the day, as far as that passage of Scripture is concerned, there will either be everlasting torment or everlasting life. I hope I'm not shocking anyone at home or here. But as Christians, this is what we believe. There are no souls roaming around the earth in between. There's, there's no limbo. And I, I was brought up Catholic. There's no purgatory. Yeah? It's not biblical. Those things, they don't exist. It's not a biblical doctrine. If someone suffers a particularly tragic death, their soul does not hang around in old houses, ancient castles. In the parable that Jesus told about the rich man and Lazarus, I mean, I know that most of us will know this parable, there are two places described in the afterlife. That's why the word is afterlife. It's afterlife, yeah? Easy. And the afterlife proves that we die and we go to one of two different places. The first, it talks about is Abraham's side. Abraham's the father of faith. That's the picture that the Jews had of the ultimate destiny, Yeah? of afterlife, that they would be safely and happily at Abraham's side. Now, you and I, we're Jesus believers. We're New Testament Jesus believers. So we have an even more glorious picture of what heaven would actually be like and how, how wonderful it will be for us because we'll be with Jesus. That's the first option, that we face the Lord in death, and if you're a believer in Jesus, we'll be with him forever and ever. Amen. Yeah? That's, that's exciting, I think, yeah? Even if you had, you know, you swallowed an olive hole or had a car accident, however it works, we're going to be with Jesus, yeah? The second option is Hades or hell. The rich man who's in hell calls out for help. And, and this guy, he was cruel. He was a nasty man. He ignored the needs of everyone around him. And this parable is not to say that rich people go to hell and poor people go to heaven. It's not about that. That would be false teaching. That's not right. But I think it's clear that this man lacked compassion. You know, and for me, so he clearly didn't know the Lord because if he knew the Lord, if he knew the, and if he knew and loved the Lord, he would have the love of God in his heart. But he didn't. So the rich man's in hell and he calls out for help and he's in agony. And it says in Luke chapter 16, verse 24, 25. So he called to him. Father Abraham, have pity on me and said Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. 
But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here. That's important, that word, here. He's comforted here and you are in agony. He's making a distinction between he's here and you're there. He's been comforted here, but he's in agony there. There's two places that he's talking about. So Jesus says the same thing as the writer to the Hebrews, that we will all die once where there is one death and there are two places, everlasting life or everlasting torment. And here's the thing about ghosts. There's no in-between. Because verse 26 of Luke 16 says, and besides all this, between us, that's him in heaven, right? And you, the man who is in hell, between us is a great chasm that has been set, set, set in place. You get concrete when it's set, it's hard. You go to the dentist now, they do a filling with some soft stuff, and then they get the little magic light, don't they? You know, and before you know it, that stuff has set. It's there, supposed to be permanent, yeah, full stop. It's set in place so that those who want to go from here <laughs> to you over there cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. So there's one death and there are two places and there is no in-between. Are we getting this? Is that okay? I just got to, I want to lay this foundation, you know, 49% of Australians need to understand that ghosts is a delusion that will try to keep us from the truth. That we need Jesus and only Jesus to be right because Jesus, Jesus saves. Only him saves. And Jesus is the only one that can invite us and bring us to the Father like we saw last week with the mediator. The mediator, Jesus, isn't there to keep us away from the Father. The mediator's there to bring us to the Father. Yeah? Can you see how ghosts are a trick, a delusion from the enemy? So I don't believe in ghosts because it's, it's not biblical. It's just not. I have no problem believing in spirits. Right? But ghosts, is, it's unbiblical. You know, we're still going to handle who this character is, though, that we read. That's called Samuel in the story. We'll get there. But let me carry on the story for you at the moment. Verse 29 of Luke 16 reads, Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. For me, the way that I want to unpack that for us is we've already got the word of God. They have Moses and the prophets. We've already got the word of God. We've already got the word of God. Yeah, We've already got the word of God. And See, everybody, if you want to know what happens in the future, look to the word of God. Full stop. Look to the Word of God. You don't have to look at some strange or have some strange understanding and go to some guru or some expert that believes that they know better than everybody else. The Word of God should be enough. The devil wants us to believe in ghosts so that we'll think that we don't have to find and face judgment before God. And the, a Christian still faces judgment, but it's different because we have a mediator. So there's nothing to be scared of for us. Our eternity is assured. But the minute that we are absent from the body, we're present with the Lord. The Bible's very clear. We die once. But there are two places. There are two places. Luke 16, verse 13 and 31. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He's talking about his family. And he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Hey, 
Didn't someone rise from the dead? Yeah? Don't we know about our eternal future through the word of God? And especially focus on the truth that Jesus died, was buried and rose again. So you and I, we're Jesus believers. So in this parable that Abraham says, through the voice of Jesus, that there's a fixed chasm. You can't travel from one to the other. You can't communicate with the dead. You can't get what you want. That's what Saul wanted. was what he wanted. He was trying to get something for himself. You know, God has already spoken to us and he's given us someone that's risen from the dead. And anyone who thinks they have communicated with the dead are operating under a demonic delusion. Let's make that clear. I believe. Yeah? Many of these people that believe in these things are making money from it. And I would say to everyone here, you're not only wasting your money, but you're doing yourself spiritual harm. Don't do it. No deal. Don't go there. That's the wrong help. That's the wrong help. It's no help. It's bad help. Be careful who you consult, even in this life. Be careful. I won't even read a book of an author that I do not know that you may recommend me unless an author that I trust has put a stamp on it or people that I know have put a stamp on it. I won't do it. I won't even risk it. I love the shack. I actually really like the shack. But it, you know what? I didn't come around for years because the people that I knew hadn't stamped it. The minute they did, okay, they're saying it's okay, it's safe for me to walk towards it. Let's have a look what it's about. Because I see too many people consulting the wrong things, doing the wrong study, and before they know it, they walk away from where they were at. Don't do it. Like, don't do it. The resurrection of Jesus is proof that when we die, we face God, and believers, we rise to everlasting life. Amen? So, Pastor, what do you make of this whole thing of Samuel reappearing in the story? I thought you said ghosts aren't real. Well, when I'm grappling with an answer, it's really simple. I often go to see what some of the greats, some of the heroes of the faith have said in the past. Because we stand on the shoulders of those that have gone before us. I don't have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, sometimes we've just got to find it. Here's what Matthew Henry said, one of the greatest commentators you and I can ever, you know, Read that the devil, by divine permission, should be able to impersonate Samuel is not strange since he can transform himself into the angel of light. So let's be discerning people about claims that are made just about it, anything. If it doesn't match up with the word of God, know and understand that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. Matthew Henry goes on. The spectre another word for ghost, or apparition impersonating Samuel was an evil spirit impersonating Samuel. And I love this. For it is not in the power of witches to disturb the rest of good men and to bring them back into the world when they please. It is not in their power the songs that we sang today, He is powerful. The last song that we, we sang had a word about God's power. Sometimes we've got to trust those, just even the lyrics of those songs because they're birthed out of the Word of God. 
He's the only one who has power to raise from the dead. And he did it through and with his son. Amen? So why? Why, 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 why? Jesus tells us that the story that, the story that we read, that there's a great chasm that's it's fixed between the two. And you can't go from one to the other. You can't even communicate. So let's be really practical about this. I know it's a strange story, but for, for time to time it pops up. Yeah? We, we have to cover it. And, and being Halloween, it was perfect. And it's important for us that this truth be laid out. Yeah? Here's what you and I, we need to learn. I'm going to do this really quickly because I'm out of time. Don't do spooky stuff. Don't do stuff that's spooky. Don't do it. Don't go there. Don't do weird stuff. Don't do strange stuff. Yeah? Don't do it. In fact, we're already called peculiar in the King James Version of the Bible. We're a peculiar people. We're peculiar because we stand on the Word of God in a world that's full of man's opinion, not God's. Yeah? The minute you say, even now, you've got to see the stuff that's happening in the US. Oh, my goodness. Yeah? Hamas, who just killed 1,400 people, whether they did or didn't, People are going to argue. But babies were found without their heads. Let me tell you, heads don't just drop off. Okay? So they've killed all these people. There's babies dead. There's harm everywhere. And just in the last 24, 48 hours, some of the tabloids in America said, Hamas is not the danger against America, but white evangelical Christians. Oh, yeah, like, this is, look, this is the world that we live in, and we need to be aware I'm not calling you to stand up and write. I'm just saying we need to be aware of how the enemy works. Yeah, and the enemy's no longer hiding. And so we're now the strange ones because we stand on the word of God. We're, all of a sudden, we're the weird ones because you know, we believe that Jesus came and died and, and, and rose again. It's insane. Don't do spooky stuff. Be peculiar. Be strange. But because you're standing on the word of God. You know, for you and I, it's the most, don't people mock it? It's the most reliable story in history for us, isn't it? The law of God is very plain. Deuteronomy 18, 10 to 11. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire. Amen. Who practices divination or sorcery. Sorcery is the spirit of control. Flat out. It's about holding sway over people. And then it goes on. Who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, casts spells, or who is a medium or spiritist who consults the dead. It's forbidden in Scripture. In, in fact, I won't read it, but verse 12 goes on, and twice it says that these things are detestable. Yet, more and more, overseas and in Australia, people are celebrating those things. What they don't understand is what they're allowing. Yeah, It may not have an effect on them today, but it's about control. So it's beginning to sway them. It's all subtle. You only have to know someone who owns a boat and you only have to be, you know, you're heading here, you only have to be off by a degree, just the slightest, and you will miss your point by miles, yeah? It all happens so subtly. Witchcraft itself is the most, it, it misses and it defies the most important fact of human life that we all die, we all face God. It's everlasting life. It's heaven or hell. That's a decision that we make. You can't get around it by trying to speak to someone who was dead and getting a different answer. You know, and the devil just loves to play, play delusions, so much so that 50% of Australians believe in this weird stuff. 
And it's probably more supernatural than believing that God actually sent his son, he died, was buried, and rose again. Like, think about it. That's insane, but we can call up the dead and speak to them. That's okay. Please. There's all sorts of weird stuff, superstitions and mysticism. It really is a devil's playground to delude and trick people. We die once, we have two options. Witchcraft says we don't need Jesus, it's an enemy of the cross. Any attempt to manipulate, like I should underline this, any attempt to manipulate a created order that's not a direct answer to prayer or a miracle, any attempt to have spooky sway or control over people's lives is just flat out evil. Just evil. So don't do spooky stuff. Blue hair's not spooky. It's peculiar. It's not spooky. Now, the next one, and I'll just finish with this because of time. I've I've got so many, but this is the heart of Saul's life. And this is so relevant to us all because many of you are saying, well, I don't do spooky stuff. I I don't partake in any of that. Well, here's one for all of us. Don't do disobedient stuff. The reason that Saul got into so much trouble is because he wasn't listening to the Lord the first time. Just simply. You know, there are times when God says to us, like, you need to do this. And so, you know, at the start of the year, we say to the Lord, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to commit myself to doing this thing. And then it doesn't work. And then we're often tempted to try to find alternative ways to somehow be obedient. You know, the key really is in verse 18. Samuel gives this word. And and I guess for some of you, you're saying, well, we're about to hit a verse where where Samuel speaks, but you told us there's no ghost. So what's being spoken here? Why is Samuel speaking? But notice that what what Samuel says, what's recorded is him saying is exactly what, for me, the real Samuel said when he was alive. Because the demon could not change the words that were spoken. He could not change them. He could, could only reiterate exactly the same words. Not a single word of Samuel's fell to the ground because no demon can ever change the word of God. No, no evil can change the word of God. And this isn't about, you know, spirits and evil spirits and angels because some people see those things, others don't. Some sense, I, I'm, I'm quite happy sensing when God moves. My daughter sees angels. If you only see evil stuff, we should talk because that's an issue. If you see both, there's a reason. Yeah, that stuff's real. That's why the church has power, because it's real. But, you know, if we're living in this realm and we've got a spirit realm, then we've got the heavenly realm and you and I operate here. And when people are doing stuff with the dead and all that sort of stuff, they are doing it in this realm and that is dangerous because God is not in control. Yeah? The word of God is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever, isn't it? But here's the key. Verse 18. Because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites, the Lord has done this to you today. The problem with Saul was disobedience. The reason he was going to a witch and was defying the very word that he'd given when he was in a better place all comes down to disobedience. And when we start becoming disobedient, we end up doing weird stuff. Like just weird and strange stuff. Spooky stuff acting like a child, immature, and not even able to act properly in the last few verses of his life. It's really a pathetic example of how far the king had fallen. In fact, you can read the next few chapters and and learn how he dies a really horrible and vile way. He's 
as a man, his life was totally messed up. Yet, he was, for a time, the Lord's anointed. And this is where you and I need to learn. Because you and I, today, as his children, we are the Lord's anointed today. Not the person that sits in the green chairs in the big, in the big church. All of us are the Lord's anointed today. All of us. And so, if that's true, if we're his children... When we're in disobedience, when we know there's stuff we're not doing right, all we have to do is go before the Father and say sorry. You can use the word repent if you like. I don't like the word because we don't use it in it. Sorry, Claude. We don't use it in everyday life. Go and say sorry and mean it. Because that's what repent means. Go and say sorry and mean it. Don't go back there. Change your life. Just if we're, if we're out of whack with God, go before him and say, you know what, I stuffed up, Lord. And he'll, you know what he would say to me? Because this is how God speaks to me. I know. I know. Well, I just I want to bring it before you because I'm struggling. I know. I need your help. About time you got here, I was waiting. Yeah? Well, I know. That's how God speaks to me. He's my friend. You know, he's just sitting there waiting. I reckon he's like that. Oh, look about Estelle. I stuffed it again. Is he going to come? Oh, he's coming, he's coming. Oh, no, he's doing a takeaway coffee. <laughs> Straight through the drive-thru. We just need to go and sit with him. That should be the attitude of our heart that we carry every day. So I'm just going to ask everyone to stand. I don't want to prolong this. How's your heart today? I'm going to ask you to close your eyes because I'm going to throw some scriptures at you. And I want you to ponder them. I want your spirit to ponder them. How's your heart? How's our heart today? Because you and I are called to be obedient. And in the Bible, God links faith and obedience over and over again. So let these minister to, to, to you right now. Deuteronomy 5.33 Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you in obedience so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. God has made some incredible specific promises in his word about obedience. There are so many, I can't list them all. But here, for us now, to go out encouraged, right? Proverbs 16, 20, those who listen to instruction will prosper. Those who trust the Lord will be joyful. Psalm 7:10. he saves those who obey him. Psalm 33, 18, the Lord watches over those who obey him. Psalm 37, 18, the Lord takes care of those who obey him. It's all this obey, but I don't want to obey. I want to do it my way. Then don't complain when it doesn't work out. Yeah? Proverbs 28, 14, always obey the Lord and you will be happy. Maybe if we're unhappy, maybe there's somewhere we're not obeying the Lord. Just a thought. 1 John 3.22 And you will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. Proverbs 19.16 Keep God's law and you will live longer. Psalm 34.9 and 10 Even lions go hungry for lack of food, but those who obey the Lord lack nothing. Some versions say no good thing. We lack no good thing. That's an incredible list of promises. If you and I follow directions, if we can obey him when he speaks to us, when he speaks to us, sometimes he speaks to us through people. Discern that. When he speaks to us, let's be obedient. Because you know what? We're called to obedience and the only downside to obedience is the occasional persecution we get from those that don't understand him. Amen? So I'm going to pray. 
I'm going to pray because we need him. Praise God for that scripture that was shared earlier by Claudia. 1 John 2, 1. My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does, so if you find yourself in trouble, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus, the one who is truly righteous. If we've fallen, if we've made a mistake, let's not do what Saul did. Let's not go consult a medium. Let's not go to the wrong people. Let's just turn our hearts back to Jesus. And let's just repent. Let's just say sorry. Let's mean it. And let him do a work in our life. Amen? All right. Father, do a work in our hearts, God. Thank you for that clarity, I think. But Lord, strengthen us, Lord, that we may truly be peculiar people, strange people, because we stand on your word. Father, we thank you that the Holy Spirit not only flows amongst us, but within us. And Lord, we pray, Lord, for the leading and the comfort of Holy Spirit, so that in whatever we face, when things like this happen, Father, when family and friends talk about stuff like Halloween, we can just share our thoughts, God. And Lord, not in an offensive way, but because we stand as peculiar people on the Word of God and we believe what it says. We thank you, Father, that we will face judgment one day. But we thank you that we have a mediator, Jesus, that leads us to the Father, leads us into the Holy Holies, and now we're seated at the right hand of God. Now we're seated with Him in heavenly places with Him. Father, I thank you that we can come to you at any time of day with any issue. And Lord, when our hearts are right, you forgive us. Lord, you embrace us, you hold us, you equip us. Father, you love us. And like a parent does with their child when they fall, you pick them up and you send them on their way. Lord, I thank you for that picture. We ask you, God, to move mightily this day. Father, be with your children, be with your people. And may we enjoy, Father, the heat without the sunshine in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. All right, cool. I hope that was okay. It was a heavy message somewhat. Have a wonderful day. Have coffee. And yes, we need volunteers for Kids Church and God's Christmas gifts. Amen. Ha, ha, ha.